Welcome to Nah Fam, the podcast. Welcome. 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 You have so much enthusiasm when we start this thing up each time. Sorry. Welcome. Sorry. It's been a busy day. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about it. Yeah, it was busy. (laughs) (laughs) That's exciting. You were working on, it was not intended to be busy, but you went golfing this morning. I did. Indoor golf. I. You ruined it. Where did you? I played St. Andrews today. You did play St. Andrews today. And last night I biked the Amalfi Coast. There we go. Via Peloton. Yes. And you played St. Andrews via screen golf. Screen golf in downtown. How at Two Fog? Yes. Um. Yeah. So downtown pub. That's fun. I meant to say at a downtown pub. Okay. Um. And then you came home and you decided you were gonna work on replacing a tub sink in our basement. And you. Yeah, I put it off for like a couple weeks. That all up. Yes. So that took all day for you. And then I. Well, decided it's still not really. To work fixed. in the yard Done. and do some spring cleaning, spring cleanup in the yard. And I ended up doing a lot, several hours of spring cleanup in the yard. And that drained me. Yeah. And, um, well, thankfully you, you were crying and pounding like a scene out of uh, a <laughs> Christmas story. And pounding. Do you remember? And did you remember the Christmas story where he's down in the basement fixing the boiler and he uh-huh. was like, screaming profanities and um you at one I can point relate. did that and i, can I totally was like oh my god he sounds like the dad from the christmas story right uh, now. i was <laughs> this again should have been a simple project got a new laundry tub replaced the old plastic one we've got a lift pump that carries the water up and and nobody cares about the details nobody of cares story. but it's still leaking and it's frustrating Yep. Story of my life. And it's frustrating for me because every single time you decide you're going to do something yourself, you, for some reason, feel like you're so surprised by the fact that it's not panning out the way that it was supposed to pan out. And there's multiple trips to the store and all sorts of drama that goes along. And you trying to describe to me things that I have no ability to comprehend or care about. That's really my failure right there. <laughs> Is you're like, well, what's the problem? And I try to explain it to you. And I, it, it's, I may as well just make up a bunch of words and say them to you because there's no, I'm not. No, you do to... do that. And then I'm like, wait a minute. You're supposed to, <laughs> like, like at one point today, you were also replacing a doorknob. And apparently I was able to piece this together because of my own genius. But you apparently had described to me that a spring was broken and that yes. you had to go to the store and get a new spring. But you didn't say that. You said, I'm going to the store. And I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to bring this with me. And I was like, bring what with you? And you had this little spring in your hand. You went, I'm going to bring this with me and look at it. And I'm like, what? I, I mean, I knew what you meant, but I'm like, oh, oh, okay. So I'm supposed to figure out what that just I meant? Mean, you you literally cute, watched me Jim. take the doorknob and off said, the door. And I said, could you please put together in a full sentence yeah. what you intend me to comprehend right now? And I think it took four or five tries, but you finally strung together the words that said, I'm going to take this spring with me to Home Depot so I can match it to the size spring that I need to purchase so that I can bring that new spring home and put it in the drawer doorknob and we'll have a working doorknob. Well, if I said all of that, I did pretty well. You did not say all that, but yeah, that's what you meant so. to say. That's what I meant to say. You See, you got it. You understood <laughs> it. It just took a little while, but... You could have even said it way simpler than that and I would have got it. I just really so, provided every detail in that. Had things gone as planned, it would have been two trips to Home Depot and the first trip was because you requested I do the one project first. And I'm like, well, I have to do all the plumbing. You're like, well... That's because I knew yeah. that you would get lost and shit and I just yes. wanted the door the door fixed because I 
was dealing with a dog so, wanting to go in and out all day and we needed the door fixed. Ultimately, it should have been two trips. But it was like five. Yeah. But at least I also, on one of your trips back, I was like, you know what? Could you get like a ton more yard bags? Because I had a lot of leaves to remove from flower beds and I would have had to stop had I not right. had more yard bags, but you went and got a ton more, so I got a ton done. Yeah, after I checked out at Home Depot, got in my car, started driving out of the parking <laughs> lot, and then went, shit, you I did? forgot the yard bags. I even I texted even, you. I was like, I left a minute to go so back in and get the yard bags. Funny. And you know, I didn't even really get that frustrated, overtly frustrated with you one time today. You, I'm, I'm impressed. We're making progress. <laughs> I was very intentional about it. Okay, well, <laughs> keep it up. Okay. Please, please keep it up, because the last thing I need when a project i'm doing isn't going well is to have you get in the middle and then start asking me why it's taking so long and asking questions about it when you don't really care or understand what i'm talking about because it doesn't i mean it doesn't matter you know see where see you and i know this but like there's so many things about you not just you people in general that are like on nails to a chalkboard for me Uh they just get under my skin and we talk a lot about how i need to get over that let's go there And yeah, that leads us into the next thing Uh that we've been talking about for the last few days. Yeah. That I'm reading this new book and it's called The Electricity of Every Living Thing. And it's by Catherine May. And I've recently read two of her other books. Well, I read Wintering a while ago. And then I just talked about how I read her book, Enchantment, recently. I love her writing. She's great. Um, She's English. And I first listened to her books on Audible and then... I read them too because I just do. But anyways, um, so I just finished her, or I'm, I'm, I'm not even done. I'm like 99, 95% done with um, The Electricity of Every Living Thing. And it is about her experience with um, being diagnosed with um, autism spectrum disorder as an adult, like just recently, like in the last couple of years, I think. And I didn't, I actually, this is her second book and I didn't read it at first because I thought, well, I just, that doesn't really interest me. But then I enjoy her so much that I decided to, to download this one too. And I was, I, I have to also admit that I have a tendency to find myself annoyed and this is me and I own this, but annoyed with everybody just wanting to overdiagnose with themselves with everything all the time. Like I do, it may not seem like it, but I really do sort of have that value, right? Like I have this thing where I'm like, we all have a little bit of everything. We all don't need to be diagnosed with everything. Mm-hmm. And that's a slippery slope. And it seems that our culture has really swung in this direction of wanting to diagnose everything. Um, so I went into that with that thought and I'm even listening to her and I'm like, that's not what I've always understood autism spectrum disorder to look like or be like. But anyways, as she's reading her symptoms, I'm like, oh my God, wait a minute. That's, that's very, so many of these things are me. That's interesting. I never in a million years would have thought that what I know of autism spectrum disorder, that I would come anywhere. Like, I mean, there's some parts, some things that manifest for people with autism that I share, especially related to anxiety, on and on. However, I was, I said something to you about it, and then you were like, "Oh yeah, that that surprises you." And we, I would like kind of laughed about that because I'm like, "Really, Jim? You 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 that doesn't surprise you?" And then um, we took a couple of, or I took a couple of online tests because they're not diagnostic in any way and they make sure that you know that but they are they're well known and they're out there and so I took three of them and they're kind of pretty much all the same and I took each one of them twice and they all scored me as like on the cusp of like yes you share many traits 
of a person with autism spectrum disorder and like you would benefit from further evaluation. Can I ask you, you said you took three of them and you took them all twice. Yeah. What was your reasoning for? Because I wanted to see like, well, maybe I, maybe I was a little dramatic about that response. Maybe if I mute these down a little more, then it will change the results. And they were all consistent, this consistently the same results really. (laughs) And, um, I was just like, oh, that's, that's really interesting. And you took, you took, we had you take it too. That, and it was, you have always told me that you thought you were on the spectrum uh-huh. a little bit. When I first met you, you said that. And I think that there's other people that have shared that opinion or thrown that out there for you or, clo- you know, tendencies mm-hmm. towards. And you took the test and you didn't even score anything. They were like, no. nope, you have no sign of autism spectrum disorder. <laughs> I have a feeling <clears throat> just from my own sense and probably other people too, is I don't, focus connection on people i talk about things a lot and stuff so i wonder if is that do you think that's what drives people to think that maybe well that would be my guess and yeah. that's why i thought there's no way because i'm like because you're totally I'm all in about the world, people apparently I, that's not all accurate so yeah. anyways so <laughs> Rudy's making noise. yeah Rudy's. i just want to say is that i also i thought about that but I sent it to a few friends and one of my friends was like, yeah, that doesn't, I can see that. And I was like, really? And I guess like, I, I mean, if I look at the way I was when I was a kid, I could believe it a little more. So then maybe I should be like, oh, okay. Um, but anyways, I, I'm not, there's no, it's just, is that's just sits where that is. But I did look up, I'm like, okay, well this feels a lot like, a lot like, um, this idea of highly sensitive person, which I don't, I've talked about with you before. There's a book mm-hmm. called The Highly Sensitive Person. It's by somebody named Dr. Elaine Aaron. And she came, coined this term in the 1990s. And I read it like three or four years ago. And I was like, okay, this is definitely me. This is a thing. 15 to 20% of the population is highly sensitive according to her and the data out there. And this is, it's not a diagnosis. It's not in the DSM, but this is a legitimate concept in the world of psychology. Um and I read that and I was like, oh my God, my son is also this. And oh, I've screwed up so many things. And I wish I could turn back the clock because, you know, she really kind of paints this picture of like, this is a gift that, you know, it's sort of like people talk about orchid children. It's the same idea of like, this is something, these are people that really could flourish tremendously in the right environment but that's a very specific environment and they will not bloom at all if they're not in that right environment Mm -hmm. like an orchid um and just feeling like oh no i i i had recognized these things in my own kid that i thought were like me that kind of like held me back in the world growing up in the world society didn't respond well to these these aspects of me and I always thought that that's what was wrong with me and now here I have been sending these same messages to my own kid not purposely not intentionally not consciously but finding myself worrying like oh no he's like me oh no he's gonna struggle like me I've got to do things that I thought should have been done for me so that I wouldn't be that way but that's not how it works this is a way we're wired on and on and on you know so anyways it turns out though I so I I was like, okay, this is highly sensitive person stuff. And then how does that relate to ASD? So how do ASD, adult spectrum disorder, I'm sorry, autism, autism spectrum, spectrum disorder. disorder and highly sensitive person relate? And then I did do a little quick Google search. And sure enough, they share a lot of commonalities, and but they're different too. Um, so that was just interesting. That's just like a little side note. Okay. Well, 
it's a side note, but it was funny when you brought that up and you were like, you're, you're questioning out loud. Like, do, do you think so? And I was like, and again, highly sensitive person. So the overlap is definitely there. So, you know, where, where, where that isn't, like you said, one's, you know, it's not a DSM diagnosis, the highly sensitive person. However, I'm like, yeah, you, your response to outside factors in the environment have a huge impact on you. And like, even if I do something that whether it's chewing, which annoys a lot of people, if Mm -hmm. somebody's chewing loudly, whatever, but, um, some of my behaviors, like what I would think would be like, somebody might be like, I might be annoyed by it, but like no big deal. Uh And not just me, but like you, you get very much like it, it, it yeah. bothers you a lot. Like you're, you're very yeah. sensitive to that. Yeah. I try not to be. And like, yeah. Cause you have this thing where you're like, I don't even know what you do. You'll do something with your fingers together. And the way you do that, I, I can feel that from a room away and I'm like, <laughs> stop doing that. And you're like, how do you know? Like you're trying to sneak it in. Like, I don't know what it is. If you scratch your fingers or pull at hangnails or something, I don't know, but I can feel it. Like <laughs> you do it with this intensity or something. I, yeah, I, and it, I it's, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. I can't tolerate it. Which is, <laughs> I guarantee, nine out of ten people would have like wouldn't even notice. You know, if I'm itching, if I'm just itching, yeah. like if I just have like a little like a mosquito I, bite, I might be itching it, and you're like, it's the way stop you it. do it. You need to stop. It's, the way, it's different. <laughs> it's different than other people, but. Um, yeah, I was just even joking with you today. I was like, you know, dogs that like, there's certain dogs that the sight of them, again, feels like nails on a chalkboard, like any, <laughs> there's like a dog who had kind of like, do you really want to, do you really want to put this out there? Like popping do you out of put this head, out there? And I'm just like, I can't stand that visual. Like I can't, it makes me, or like, I don't, there's just so much, like, you can't, I, my son's the same way. Like I, first of all, our, my feet are extremely ticulate. Tick, you can't ticulate. be, you can't be tickled. And No. But my feet are really bad too. Like if I try, if somebody tickle, if something touches the bottom of my foot in a way where it's very tickled, like to scratch it is agony too, because even scratching it is also like, it tickles me. And so, and I don't know. So anyways. (laughs) To the point where like it turns your insides. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, stop that. It's like, you need to stop that right now. (laughs) Like, I mean, it's like. Yeah. yeah. You can't, I can't touch my belly button. I know. Like I I can, but like, it's awful. It's awful. It does things. It's so me. weird. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah. So Anyways, you have these little quirks. And then emotionally, quirks. I'm also very sensitive to other people as well. Like mm-hmm. to their opinions of me. Like whatever. Like I could, I can go so low. Like like emotionally, oh, very yeah. very low. Yeah. I I said it to you the other day. Like whatever is going on, you amplify that. Yeah. So even if so, somebody's like, you know. But anyways, yeah. we don't need to go into that. Right. But my point was, is like relating that to this idea of ASD and like just thinking about how many traits I share there and like real and then looking at everything through a new lens and not a new lens, another yet another lens. And just thinking about tying that into me lately noticing how much my nervous system has been fried or overdriven my entire life and recognizing that like oh, you know what? I could actually do something about that in, in a real way. And I have been lately so much more through like, mm-hmm. we've talked about it on here. But that was just another thing coming at me where I was like, it's, this is validated in another way. Do you know what I mean? I get very easily overwhelmed. 
I I know this about myself and yes. there's ways that I can manage it and not feed into that. So being very intentional with you today, like uh-huh. I know that sounds so dumb, but like I was, <laughs> I have learned, I didn't get worked up. I all. still, I still don't do well <laughs> with it, but I have learned that over the years where you, you might get, let's say short about something. And I'm like, my first like instant reaction is like, what the hell? Like seriously. And then I'm like, Oh no, like this is, yeah, you're feeling overwhelmed by whatever this thing is. And if I say, well, I need to do this, this, and this, like that, that seems overwhelming to you. And so the response, like you might give like a short response about that. And I'm like, oh, you're actually fe- like, you're, yeah, you're, you're feeling overwhelmed by all of well, this. Well, it's just, and again, I think it's this idea of just like, I can very pretty easily go into dysregulation. Mm-hmm. Rather, you know what I mean? So it's just like, again, remembering that about myself and knowing that and working with that rather than going taking dysregulation to the next level. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you want to talk about what we Yeah. So we actually we're going to talk, talk about, we actually got off track there, but we were talking about how we were going to record this. We knew we were going to record this weekend at some point. We wanted to talk about our respective um, careers. Like what did we, why did we end up where we are and how did we get here? Yeah. So why don't you start? And I could ask you a question, or you could just okay. start from the beginning. And okay. I mean, how you've you have not been in the same exact career, but you've been in the same field. Um, it's, yeah. Well, you could argue it's the same career. Okay. It's like I equate it to like nursing. It's like you can do so many different jobs with nursing. True. If you're still acting as a nurse, you're not going to say it's not the same career. It's the same career. That's true. So it's it's you've that held, same you've idea. Held, you've held a few jobs different within your career roles, over the years. Different, different roles, roles, different, different roles. positions. Um, yes, yeah. So I just, you know, I just I I wanted to just get my college degree. I didn't really. I had a, I had a few ideas about what I'd like to do. I'd I'd want to be an t- interior designer was one of them, um, and then I wanted to maybe major in psychology. At the end of the day, though. Any, I've never wanted to be a psychologist. Being an interior designer felt a little too risky to me. I would, at the end of the day, I was just kind of going to be like, you know what? I just want a job. I just want to count beans. I want the kind of job, though I'll be counting beans, but it's at the level that would require a college degree and have that level of income and security and stability and like good benefits or whatever. So you just said being an interior designer felt a little bit too risky. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Because that meant I would probably have to be an entrepreneur and like, okay. no thanks. <laughs> so not risky in the sense that you would worry about living up to people, p- other people's expectations? Probably that or? too. Probably okay. that too. Like what if I, what if nobody else likes my stuff? Like, am I really going to be that creative? You know, am I really, um, but really I, at the end of the day, I think my dad, I remember my dad being like, well, you'd probably have to be a business owner then. And I was like, yeah, I don't, that feels too risky okay. to me. Because I was going to say what you do now dealing with people. Well, okay. Yeah. Is, no, but now I am a business owner, so that's so funny. Full and circle. you're a business owner. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> right. Yeah, that was the original goal. And I picked psychology mostly just because I was interested in human behavior. And honestly, kind of back to that other idea of like, I also always thought I was kind of different and odd and weird. Like that was kind of my perception of myself as a growing up through my life. And uh, kind of wondering like what's up with human behavior like trying to wanting to figure all this out I was also a little bit afraid of it too like is there something wrong with me you know so it was more about just interest in human behavior because I do remember like even going on in grad school like professors would say all the time like oh you guys are all here because you want to help people and I was like not really 
It's <laughs> more like, I mean, I have to be honest with myself about that. I'm like, yeah, I don't know that I relate to that piece of it. Like I, so anyways, what, but ultimately I want to help people obviously, but I ended up, um, getting a job for the state of Michigan after I graduated. Um, I wanted to work for the state because it seemed secure and stable and like good benefits. And my dad had worked for the state. So I was like, yeah, that feels safe. Um, unfortunately, like the jobs that the department that I had to apply for, you know, with my major, basically, you know, I had a lot of the positions that were suited for that were within the family independence agency. And there was two positions, which now is known as Department of Health and Human Services. They change the name all the time. Um, but they had two, I applied for two jobs and unfortunately the one I got an interview for was not the one I wanted. So, but I was like, you know what? It was for, it was in child welfare. It was like either a CPS worker, foster care worker, like they, they don't really tell, you know, there's different roles within those. And so anyways, they, they offered me the job and I was like, oh, great. (laughs) There's no way that I can do this job. There's no way I can do this job. The thought of it terrified me. And then I was like, well, it was like, I don't remember if it was like six or eight week training, like institute you had to go through. So I was like, well, I'll just get through that and then we'll see, you know, but it was fairly good money for a new college grad. So really it's kind of like once you get, once you're in there, it's like, well, I'm, I'm here. (laughs) And, um, I just thought, well, I'll just, I'll just keep, I'll transfer to another position. You know what I mean? Like I'll keep trying to get into another position within the same employer, and that didn't seem to happen. But how I many guess. how many years were you there? I was there for five years. And the thing is, is like I was again, I was terrified. I don't think anybody I know would have thought that I would do this job. Like I think it's like it's like if you know Christopher, our son. It's like if he was like, "Hey, I got hired. I'm an, I'm going to be a police officer." Like we'd be like, "That's not really." Yeah, what I know, <laughs> what I know of you now, I that is one of the like that. If you gave me a list of jobs that you would have had, or yeah, and I'm pretty sure no, everybody I know would have thought the same thing. In fact, I I just still don't think people I know realize what it involved because they knew me and they probably would be like, "There's no way she would do that," so it must not be what it is. Do you know? Uh-huh. I'm saying yeah but it turned, <laughs> I, I but i start doing it and honestly it, i was terrified doing it a lot of the time for a while especially but i was good at it i honestly was i mean i had a really good reputation i loved like i understood the policy under like i was very strong work ethic i was one of the good ones that everybody sort of in the community knew that um because like, i you know you work with law enforcement and the courts and like you know it was but it, it took its toll. So I and I, but when I was there, there was a strong initiative and a push for you to go to school and get your master's. And we've talked about this before in here. I did that, and as soon as I graduated, I was at the end of my rope. I'm like, I can't do it. I took a huge leap of faith, and I finally I quit. Like seriously, that was also very out of character of me because I was the breadwinner in my family, and I had Christopher, and I was like holding the benefits, and it was like, but I cannot do this anymore. Like I was a mess. So um, I also had decided there was another job I couldn't do <laughs> because I was, when I was interning during my, when I was still in grad school working that job, I had to have an internship as well. And so that was at the local hospital as a medical social worker. And during that time, she had me shadow their hospice social worker. And I went on a few home visits with her. I attended their grief education group. 
And I just remember like going out with her and visiting these patients. And like, I was like, I, I cannot like really like death is like my biggest fear. It's always been my biggest fear. And we're talking to people that are facing death and you're asking them questions about how they feel about that. To me at the time that felt, I was so young obviously, but I was like, no way. Like I remember just like lumps in my throat, trying to hold back tears as she's, as I'm observing these conversations and participating in these grief groups. Um, so I was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Like that's so, you know, that's not for me. I will work in a hospital setting, but I can't do that. Well, fast forward again, I quit my job and I was like, well, I want to get into mes- medical social work. Guess who had job openings? Hospice. <laughs> so I applied and I got the job and it was the same thing. I was like, I, I'll, I'll figure it out. I can do this. <laughs> I was just as worried as I was with the other one. Um, but I was like, it can't be as bad as the other one, so I'll figure it out. Yeah, I would think that that would be it'd be so difficult, but so beautiful at the same time to connect with people at the end of life. Well, it turns out it was. It was very. It ended up being a very sacred and spiritual position within social work, which is like right up my alley. Like I was like, oh, this is where this. These are the. This is the space that is familiar to me, actually, and is is you know uncomfortable as it was at times, you know you have to start somewhere, right? So there was growth. And I found myself in situations that felt like I was in over my head, but I wasn't either, you know? And I started facilitating grief groups and um, working a lot with the grief population before I went into working more with patients that were terminally ill. But it was the most, some of the most sacred and profound experiences of my life. And then... Eventually, that did start to drain on me, though, too, though. After about a few years, I was like, okay, I'm ready for something less heavy. So the hospital, I worked the health system I worked for, their main hospital had an open for a dis- opening for a discharge planner, so I applied for it, and I got it. And I worked there for a few years, and that was very stressful. That was the same kind of stress, but in a different way that I had working in child welfare. Like, it was less pressure like I didn't feel like working in child welfare is like so much stress related to like making sure people are safe and was it the responsibility of the responsibility of the decisions and the recommendations you have to make around that and the buck stops with you and then here there was pressure around like there was so much intensity and I had I was pulled in so many directions every single day I worked in every I had to be available to every um almost every um department there. So I worked in mom, baby, I worked in pediatrics, I worked, you know, in um, the adult world too. And like, you're just dealing with so many situations and you'll be pulled in. Like, I just remember getting pulled in, like doctors calling and being like, yeah, like, uh, you need to come. We need you right away. We have a family, their child's actively dying. They're in crisis. You need to come here. And just being like, whoa, like, I don't know what my role is supposed to be right here right now (laughs) like you know so it wasn't just the pace it was actually dealing with very intense very very intense situation I can't even tell you the level of intensity of situations that I was asked to come in on and it's like wow like and then you're and then it's done you know and it's just like you go back to work the next day and start over there was certainly like benign issues all the time like just but also yeah. those. So and it was so it was very demanding, very demanding. But it was also just like eight to five, and you go home. Whereas child welfare okay. was like, oh, there's an emergency at six o'clock at night, or you know what I mean. And it's just like your life is just at the mercy of this any crisis at any moment. It seems in that role though, like 
you wouldn't get the closure from each connection that you would in child welfare or hospice necessarily, right? Because you, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, you're just you're working through get you out of the hospital at this whatever whatever point in time that is to move on to the discharge process and dealing with the re- providing the resources. But I mean, to me, that would be very different, like going home and stuff, and then always having it open ended in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. But I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just sort of the pace that you get accustomed to. Um, certainly, there's some that hang with you for sure. I mean, again, there was some real tragedies that happened. Obviously, it's a hospital and it's a level one trauma center and like, I mean, whatever. But um, yes. So, but I also feel like what you're saying there is like kind of what led me into finally being like, you know what, maybe I do want to do private practice because I had never considered that. I kind of I kind of thought of like private practice, like therapists, you had to be like Dr. Phil, like they got all the answers, you know, and that I don't, I don't approach life that way. I don't approach people that way. And I thought if I had to do that, that like that was not congruent with me as a person. And I also didn't feel like I had the competency for that because I just don't operate that way. So once I learned that, like, no, that's not how it is. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, maybe there is an opening here for me. And I started also recognizing that like, you see these people coming into a hospital. There's so much social, emotional, um, non, you know, non-physical things that are contributing to their physical ailments. And, anyways, or just there was there was enough situations where it was like, okay, um, I would have these connections with people where it's like it's just like being able to sit with them and and let them know, like, hey, by the way, like you don't have to feel this way, or like it's okay that you feel this way. Like, you know, just bring a human experience to it. A hospital, there's white coats, it's quick, it's in and it's out. It can feel very impersonal at times. And people are dealing with pretty incredible, intense things, right? So like when I was able to have those interactions with people, which unfortunately didn't happen a ton there, um, I was like, oh, I think there was something where I was like, this feels right. And I want to do more of this. I want to have more of these exchanges. So that's when I was like, you know what, maybe maybe I like to actually dip my toes into private practice and pursue that. So then I did. And I slowly, I was doing both for a while. And then I slowly just rolled into 100% private practice. And that is when I really started to feel like I was in a, experiencing that state of flow that they talk about quite a bit. And I was like, oh, this is cool. This is, I cannot believe this. I never in a million years would have considered that I would have done this. In fact, I used to say, oh, I'll never, do, I'll never do private practice. And here I am loving it, like feeling like this is where it's at. Well, it's about the farthest thing from being a bean counter. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it and is. I also cannot picture you doing that, being an accountant or being something like that, because the your connection with people is so important for you like i mean that's you thrive on that yeah so i can't imagine you sitting in front of a screen or you know i just can't it seems like world i don't know it just seems like it's it's worlds apart yeah maybe i don't know sometimes i think that like there's a half there's a side of me though that like that's all i see her doing <laughs> too so i don't know i think that's the obviously that seems to me like that's the insecure side of i just want simple and yeah. I just want to be able yeah. to yeah. maybe check out a little bit and yeah. not feel like everything's on my shoulders. Yeah, probably. 
Because everything you, I mean, everything you've done is so heavy and I know, and like, <laughs> I was just wanted nothing, nothing related to that at all. Like that's uh-huh. so hilarious to me. It's almost like, it's almost like the universe was like, I don't, I know you don't want to do this. We're making you do it. Like all every step of the way, it was like, okay, fine, I. Well, fine, I will work in this field, but please don't make me do that one. Oh, sorry, that's the job that's available and that you just got offered. And then I leave there and it's like, all right, I just don't want to do that one. Oh, sorry, that's the one that's available and you're uh-huh. applying for it and you're getting that one. And then they, obvi- I mean, obviously they were just like working in child welfare. I learned so much about how the world works from like a social service. Like, like just, I mean, I actually know even globally, I could just... So that was so helpful just to figure out how the big machines operate, right? Like how we all kind of like function, how we keep the Well, that system's so complicated, right? But, I mean, it, but it's, it's, but it's, it's also looks similar to every other system. Like that's what I'm saying though. Like to me, it just gave me a really great picture of how the world works. So I, I thought, so that was a great experience. But anyways, um, what about you? I want to know about you. Where, I think we're out of time. No, we're not. <laughs> I, I want to start with what you're, so we didn't talk about this with mine but my psychological astrological horoscope does indeed say that you should be a counselor therapist person um it also says like a dancer or like an actor but really that just has to like do with like <laughs> not, not your idea, actual dancing ability this idea that i supposedly have like this ability to um really get into another person's experience uh-huh. um which makes total sense so, but yours, well, first of all, we did, we did talk about how you sc- did not make any sort of, you did not score anywhere near on the ASD quiz. No. Highly sensitive person quiz, same. No. No sensitivity coming from you. No. Minor, <laughs> minor, my sensitivities are very narrowly what, focused. Yours was like, on a score of zero to 100, what was yours like over at 40, I, I think, think? 47 or something 47. like that. Mine was like 90. Yeah. So the, no, 80 to 100 was you're a highly sensitive person. And then mine was like 90. And I did the, like the 26, whatever it was. And I was like a 10 out of 26 on that. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember what I was on that one, but. And those are just individual things. Like if you, if you chose more than 14 of them, then like those yes. like reflected oh, you. Oh yeah, that's then. right. I think I was 22. But yeah, I had like 10 that I said. Yeah, you know. I think I was 22. I could be wrong. Okay. Well, according to your astrological, psychological horoscope for a live, it says that for you, that you would excel in spheres uh, such as psychology, anthropology, history, and artistic fields where this is what I think is important. Where good, um, yeah, where good powers of articulation and organization must be combined with imagination and vision. Um, you may also be adept at business activities where speculative abilities and planning for future trends are required. And you are often very successful gambler. You are often a very successful gambler with untried new ideas and untested resources, which explains okay. your attempts at doing projects. That are untested and untried. <laughs> well, they're untested for me and untried for me. <laughs> and there's a willingness Somebody's to go there. Somebody's done all of them, but and yeah. you're willing to go there. Yeah, and at the end of the day, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I actually definitely relate to all of that. I would have said when I went to college, psychology would have had, you know, the arts wouldn't have been something I would have thought even for a second or history. Like, oh, I want to focus on that. However, fast forward to now, and I'm much more interested in, in that. But I think that, again, the rest of that is it relates to business. Um, 
is very much how I, I I operate, I guess, or my. Okay. Well, how did you end up? Why did you, how'd you end up where you are and like why and or whatever? Like, so I ended up working where I work. Um, I was, it's a privileged situation really because I applied for two jobs after undergrad. I went to school for business, got a degree with concentrations in management and management information systems. So kind of Uh computer systems and um, management. Uh And I had, my dad worked for Ford. And so I was able to get an interview with somebody at Ford, not anybody in my dad's group or anything like that. But What did you interview um, for? It was some kind of program management position. I don't know exactly what it was. Was it like entry level or management? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. It was like it was like. I mean, I know program the, management. But the you know group I mean. was yeah. The group was whatever program it was. It was in that. I would have been probably doing some kind of data analysis or something else. I don't really know for sure. Okay. I was clueless. Mm-hmm. You know, you go through undergrad and you think like you have four years of college to kind of figure out who you want to be and what you want to do when you grow up, and then you exit and you're like, I don't know how the world works. Yeah. You know, so um, I interviewed there. It wasn't the warmest, fuzziest interview, but I did get an offer. Um, and then I, my in-laws at the time um, mm-hmm. said, we would like you to come work for us because you can come bring computers into our environment, which was construction work. And that's something that we know we need to kind of get, you know, get with the times a little bit and also manage the safety department. And, and we'll teach you that. you and. <laughs> <laughs> they some some punk freshly out of school no experience come bring computers to our <laughs> yeah so prior so prior to that while i was in school i was building computers for people i had done a couple I servers know, but like, and stuff you so no really right. i mean well it's fine i'm just saying <laughs> but, but back in 2000 i mean they they didn't really have much it was mostly field operations and a lot of lot a lot of paper so i know but like I would that yeah. that you would think that would like re- I'm not dogging them I'm dogging you for like thinking that you could take that on. <laughs> well, that was one of my concerns was, okay. you know, I was torn between the two. I thought at Ford I'm going to get lost in the shuffle and it's going to be you know a very rigid schedule and I'm going to have to like. It was very intimidated by that environment. I just felt like, where am I going to go here? How am I going to fit in? Like, how am I going to stand out to really get ahead? And there I thought, well, I've got this opportunity, but if I blow this opportunity, then these are my in-laws and I'm, you know, that relationship may never be the same. So, well, was that, was that your concern truly? I mean, I think that there's like, that's always in the back of the head, but then it's also like, no, nothing's going to happen. And plus it's like probably more appealing because it's like, there's a lot of creative freedom, creative freedom. Well, I didn't really know that at the time. And I was concerned about that because I was at the time, probably one of the only people with a college degree coming in. I knew a lot of the people are going to look at me and think, oh yeah, okay, you're related. I'm not going to get a lot of like. You didn't know that you worried about. I that. worried about that. Yes, I, I yes, I had no idea, but I definitely worried about that. Like, how am I going to fit in? What are people going to think of me? Am I going to be able to do what I'm going to be able to do? What I want to do is this going to create an issue um, again with my in-laws at the time? So I and you I, didn't have to worry about whether or not you lost your job and what you would do to survive because you'd have somebody else bail you out of something. Is that what you mean <laughs> by privilege? <laughs> I mean privilege because both those opportunities. I didn't. I don't want to. I didn't earn the opportunity from the sense that I had to go out and knock on doors and find a place. You know what mm-hmm. I mean. Mm-hmm. So had get graduating from school like everybody else and not having a connection in the world. I mean, 
you're yeah you're going in cold to every environment you're in mm-hmm. trying to get a job i mm-hmm. at least didn't have that mm-hmm. so i had that going for me um but that's where I started. And after two years, I ended up working for my, my former in-laws. Mm-hmm. Um, and after two years, one of the directors, he's an attorney and he has an MBA. And, you know, he talked to them and he said, it'd probably be a good idea if you have somebody, you know, in-house, you guys are growing um, with some legal experience. And so they said, hey, you, what do you think about going to law school? I said, I've never thought about that before. It never was a path or anything that crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. Really no interest there. But yeah, sure. Why not? So I went to law school at night, worked. Um, they were flexible with me, which was great. Got done with so that. So you didn't work while you went to law so school? <laughs> I did, but it was stre- <laughs> it was stressful. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was difficult. Anyway, um, graduated from that in 2006. And then in 2007, they said, you know, what do you think about going and getting your MBA? Okay. So I looked into it and I'm like, that actually interests me more than the law degree. I'd finished law school. I'm like, it can't be as bad as law school. So I went back and did online classes and got my MBA in master's in finance. Um, Took like two years. And I've been with the company now for 23 years. We've talked about this before, but I I do have the flexibility to get involved with projects and what you read in my astrological horoscope about Mm -hmm. what I should do Mm -hmm. is exactly what I get to do. I get to look forward and, you know, figure out how to grow the company, how to build what we have, how to, you know, create, develop processes. Um, If I see an area where, you know, I think we can do better, I can get people involved and try to make us more efficient and make us a better company. Okay. So that's what I do now. Okay. (laughs) Anyway. Do you you feel like you're good at it? Like, I don't understand. I mean, I feel like, I feel like this idea around like, um, having, being able to be adept at business activities or, I'm sorry, no, wait, let me go back. Where does it say? It says the powers of articulation and organization must be combined with imagination and vision. I do feel like you're saying that where you feel like you get to use your imagination and your vision. I also feel like in a way, like, like you, this is my understanding, contract with a bigger company. So like you're sort of the forward facing person that kind of does that communication. Yes. Like you kind of like organize the information and present it to yeah. your customer, as you would say. Yes. And so a lot of the requirements that our customers have that are bigger companies that obviously have, you know, governmental reporting and certain um, legal requirements and everything else. I'm able to look at that and say, okay, these are areas that are or, or things that we need to put in place here to be in compliance or to be able to, you know, the customer says, hey, we want this, this, and this. I'm able to go back and, and work with our teams to make that happen and say, here's our plan and we can do this. And so do you feel like this predates this job too? Like, do you feel like this correlates with like maybe the role that you played, whether it was in your friend groups or mm, school projects or like, do you know what I mean? I definitely didn't do it in my friend groups because I think I was a little bit too shy to put myself out there. But school projects was definitely an area when we had group projects where I was always, you know, throughout the project, maybe a little bit quieter, but then toward the end, working on the final product, putting all the pieces together. Like that's, I think that's where I excelled. Okay. So taking everybody's information, looking it over, reviewing it, making corrections if things were wrong. Um, so you kind packaging of, it up. You're that person that like super like irritating to me because it's like it would have been nice like yeah. if you were here sooner. Like because I feel like I would have been. I feel like that. I I, I was. 
generally speaking, I feel like I always felt like, okay, if I have to sit here and do everything, then fine, but it's going to be 75%. And then this jerk comes in last minute and delivers at 100%. And it's like, you, it would have been nice to have you here all along. Thanks. Who, who said I wasn't there? The you just whole said you'll come in last minute. <laughs> yeah. I might sit back and then I come in last minute. What I mean by that is, yes, I, I'm a procrastinator by nature. So definitely that would come into play. But at the end of the day, I definitely put the effort that was needed. So are you in, telling so. me that you generally find yourself to be the most competent person in the room? I'd like to <laughs> Arrogance think... Arrogance is I don't, a bit of an issue I for don't you. know if I would say the most competent <laughs> person, but I'd like to think that I am a person that considers like all aspects of something. I have a good like view of uh, ability to see how all the pieces relate to one another. And you also seem to be the feel that you are the expert in any given field so is that what you're saying no i'm definitely so i'm not i'm definitely not in certain <laughs> situations yes i think that i i put myself out there however there are a lot of things that i deal with that are much more specialized that i'm not the expert in and i i am smart enough to go to the people that i consider to be the experts and get their feedback and integrate that in with whatever i'm putting together mm-hmm. um or if I have an idea and I put it out there, I'll share that before I put it out there and say, what do you think about this? And I'll listen to whatever the feedback is. And I have no problem making changes or saying, oh, that's a good point. You know, I didn't think about that. And so let's go that way. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be right. Mm-hmm. But I think when it comes down to it and saying, okay, we need to get this done. This is this is what needs to happen. I'm like, I will I will make it happen. Okay. Not that it's the best, but I will make it happen because... That's, that's what needs to be done sometimes. Okay. So, okay. Do you feel like over the years then, like like how I said, like I feel like my first, because you've been in one place the whole time, but yeah. your capacity and responsibilities have grown. Um, like I said, in my first place, like I was like, I had all this pressure around like feeling like I was making the best decisions for people related to safety and the buck stops here and blah, blah, blah. And And then in the other one, it was feeling a lot of pressure around just like maybe like, um, I don't know, what was the, I don't know, I guess I'm not sure how I felt pressure, the stress around the other one. Maybe just sort of like, just maybe even for myself being able sometimes to withstand the intensity of what I was being asked to do. And then maybe this other one I was concerned about like, Am I going to have enough answers for people? Like feeling like I'd have to have answers for people. But like ultimately I've recognized that my role is just to help bring people to awareness. But that's another topic. But like, do you see what I'm saying? Like what do you feel like is there over time as things have changed and evolved for you like profession, like in your work, do you feel like you've been challenged in different ways? Yeah, for sure. So coming in and having no real world experience in the industry, you know, initially faced with a lot of people that will look at you and say, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm not going to listen to you. I might know what the laws are. I might know what the rules and regulations are. Yeah. I know what needs to be done. And it's like, you haven't done this job, so don't tell me how to do my job. Right. So trying to overcome, I mean, that took many years, I think, to really overcome to get to a point where now I've been around now a long like, time. I don't care. The rules are the rules. Right. Well, there's 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 that part where you get you get far enough along where you are like, I yes, I've I've earned where I'm at. I've made good decisions. My decisions are proven over time, and therefore, like you're going to listen to me. Mm-hmm. But even before that, I think you get to that point where 
you start communicating and people realize like it's your your worlds aren't foreign to each other you have enough in common that you can come together and they can they can recognize i may i'm i will lean on them when it comes to some of the technical expertise on certain things but at the same time for the overall like hey we have to do this this and this the customer says we need to do this or you know these are the rules and regulations mm-hmm. i will work with you to figure out how we're going to make that happen mm-hmm. you and your world me and my world in putting the two together mm-hmm. and i think that that's that's where you know and again and most industries and most businesses as you get older and stuff like that respect that comes along mm-hmm. with that yeah. it's like i'm not the you know expert i will acknowledge that but I know what we have to do. So you're going to work with me to figure out how we're going to make that happen. Okay. And then you get to like fast forward to now. Okay. I've been there for 23 years. There are people that have been there plenty, you know, another, uh, you know, decade or so longer than me even, but you're, you know, getting up there where you're one of the more senior people and you start having more and more people coming to you, asking you questions, um, you know, because of how long I've been around, okay, which but is there, weird. It's a different experience. Do you find yourself though, like, like, in, yeah, so obviously I see how the original sort of challenges, now you've sort of evolved beyond that, but like, do you, and you don't have to answer this, but like, have you noticed then with, but then there's with each sort of level, there's another, there's a different challenge that you are faced with that. Sort oh, of, absolutely. Okay. Well, I think that, yeah. And, and part of that comes with the responsibilities, what you're responsible for becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. So your decisions might have had little impact if you got, if you, you know, made the wrong decision at this level. Now, as you know, you move through the ranks, your decisions have a much bigger impact. Mm -hmm. So trying to navigate that and understand that, you know, you can't just shoot from the hip. You can't, you you have to actually really think about what the impact's going to be long-term but that's exciting. It's chan- it's that's more exciting. Ch- <laughs> that's exciting, folks. It is exciting. It's cha- it's challenging <laughs> and it's exciting. Sounds super exciting. Yeah. Good thing you didn't become a bean counter. <laughs> I like I like puzzles. I like puzzles too. That's why I wanted to be a bean counter. Are you kidding me? That's like the I love simple puzzles too. <laughs> I was gonna say that's like having every piece numbered and then just putting it together. I every love time. making chaos into order. I shouldn't say that because I, there's a there's a lot to accounting. I don't I don't mean it like that, but. Yeah, exactly. That's why I couldn't, I started getting to the, I started, I actually tried to go down the accountant route and I was like, oh shit, this is hard. This isn't easy. Yeah, well, it's, it, <laughs> honestly, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's not easy mm-hmm. in that, the, the, the higher you go within any profession. Uh, absolutely. It's like, yeah. yeah. It just yeah, shows. No, it's like no- I definitely believe that I'm where I need to be because that's the point is that I tried to do these other things and I, the circumstances I kept being presented with were like, no, you're going to do these like profoundly, deeply spiritual, meaningful, purposeful things. <laughs> and honestly, knowing you, that's where you need to focus your energy because managing your own business and mm-hmm. worrying about all of the things that you don't know mm-hmm. to go into that mm-hmm. is very overwhelming for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, I, and I don't have all the answers. That's why you, I didn't want to do it. Want, that's why I didn't want to do it. And then you were like, I'll help you. And you're doing just fine. You're doing great. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. But you, you know, you want like an expert, you want expert guidance in every area. And it's like, I can give you like mid mm-hmm. guidance. Yeah. I can make sure you don't get in trouble here and I can mm-hmm. tell you what you need to do. But then you're like, well, why is that? And explain that to me. And that doesn't make sense to me. And it's, yeah, I'm like, I don't, I don't get have in trouble here. And now you're, what are you talking about? You're like putting things, throwing things out there. I mean, <laughs> not, not, I mean, on the business side of things, <laughs> I know. you know, setting up a business and doing it. like your, with anything, you know, you're like, I'm like, I wanted to change my business name. And you're like, well, it turns out you really can't do that, but you can do doing business as, and you signed up for that. And then it's like, 
okay, but when does that expire? I mean, it's just like I, these. I feel like I keep coming up with these questions for you. Like that's just so, that's just an example yeah. of the things. Like I'm like, and I'm good at kicking the can down the road. Yeah, and you're like, well, I want to know right now. I'm like, okay, I got to look it up. Okay, it's good for five years. All right, well, yeah, and then I forget. I take a notes, and then I forget where I take notes, and then anyways. Yeah, anyways. But I I just think it's really interesting about. It's really interesting how we land where we land, you know, like it's just it's been fascinating to me because like I said, I never I never would have thought that this is where I would be. And yet it feels like it's exactly where I am supposed to be. And I also don't think I ever imagined myself even thinking, oh, you should have a job that where you say I'm where I'm supposed to be. Like that to me, it was always like, go get a job, earn your paycheck, go home you know, yeah. grind it out, retire, like, you know. Like. No, and I feel the same way. And I, when you ask me about like my job and stuff, I have a hard time articulating to you um, kind of like, I don't want to say the process, but to expand on kind of what I do and everything. My In my head, I immediately go to all these different projects and things that I'm working on. And, and like that fuels me. It gets me a little bit excited to think about specifics. And well, so, you I know would what like I mean? that too because I feel like I'm a big picture person. So I'd be like, I have this great idea. All right, people, make it happen. I don't want to make it happen. You guys make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> do you get to do both? Or yeah, I, mean... I have yes, <laughs> I get to do both, which is which is great. It sometimes I wish I could just be like, this is my idea, make it happen. And then you realize, well, no, you have to be involved in the whole process in order to make it happen, at least the way you envision it. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I want to do more of, and I, I had mentioned this before, I think, but is to get involved a little bit more um, with external you know, collaborations, maybe not collaborations, but attend more outside seminars and conferences and things like that, um, just because I don't ever want to have tunnel vision mm-hmm. and think that... You know, you mentioned kind of like my arrogance in there that I'm the most competent person. (laughs) I know I'm not. And there's tons of insecurity around that because I know that there's tons of people out there that are way smarter than me. Well, if you're also the only person in your role at your place, I mean, you're not, but like you're not full of, I think we've talked about this before. Like you don't, your company is, has a specialty. You have a role within that company. Like, you know, if you're a teacher, everybody you work with is teachers. Yeah. Everybody you work with does right. not have a law degree and an MBA and like doing the things that you're, you're, you are the only person in that role. So you do need to sort of expand out. Like I've had that experience too. I've yes. never worked a place. Well, I have. I've also worked places where not everybody I work with is social workers. And those were the most intellectually stimulating positions that I worked in. I mean, probably the hospital is the best example of that because there's so many different allied health like professionals. And then all these, you're working with physicians and there's all these specialties and subspecialties. And my point is, is that there's a lot of stimulation and like collaborating going on that I feel like I didn't, I don't think I've ever gotten anywhere else. And I recognize the benefit of that is what I just want to say about that. Yeah, no, it's huge. And that's one thing I, I love because we, you know, we don't just do construction, we do serving and we do engineering, we, you know, professional services and we keep expanding and growing and, and doing other things. So I have a much bigger group with people that are, trained in different areas but at the same time it's yeah it's like what is somebody in my position doing elsewhere uh-huh. what does that position look like what yeah. are they doing how are they contributing yes. where, where how are they growing you know yeah. and like i said i mean i think that otherwise yeah if you think you've got it all figured out that's kind of the end i mean you're gonna somebody else is gonna come in and you're not even gonna see it coming yeah what did you say if you think you're on the wrong path or if you think you're on you think if you think you're I think on if the you right figure it out i think if you, you think, said if you think 
you're on the right path, you're on the wrong path. And I was like, you know, that's actually like a famous quote yeah. by like a famous and big deal person, but I can't think of who it is. <laughs> but yes. But it's true. Yeah. If you, if, if, if I show up for work tomorrow and, you know, act like I have it all figured out, I don't need to hear from anybody else. You know, at some point it won't take long before somebody comes in and, you know, or, or not in my, not me alone, but if our company as a whole thinks like that, we're better than everybody else. And, you know, we don't mm -hmm. really need to worry about because, you know, our customers come to us because we're experts in this area. Mm -hmm. Somebody else is going to come along and do it better. Mm -hmm. But if we keep making sure we stay on top and look at what the competition is doing and look at what's out there, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and keep doing that. Yes. You know, you got to get out of your comfort zone. You have to stay out of your comfort zone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you, yeah, you need to be engaging with, with others, with peers. Yeah. You know, just like we learn from each other. I mean, that's. Yeah, it's like my, I mean, that's one of the downfalls of my, of being in private practice is it can be pretty isolating, but thankfully there's, um, what, what's the word I'm <laughs> checks and balances in place for that? Because I have to have continuing education, obviously, but then I also seek more above that, <clears throat> excuse me, above and beyond that and sort, you know, consult with other therapists and just, I'm always kind of like, I want to know what other people are doing and thinking and, you know, all of that. So I think that, yeah, that's super important. Yeah. Well, and the, the benefit to working in a somewhat, it's not a small company, but a, a you know, a smaller, small-ish company is that when you do get to go outside and see what somebody else is doing, it's, I don't want to say it's easy, but to take those ideas and be able to come back and like build on those or integrate them into your, you, you don't, I don't have all these layers to go through to make that happen. If I go out and see something that I think is working well someplace else, we can spend, a, you know, a, a few weeks looking at, you know, how that would affect our business and put it into place mm -hmm. without having to go through, well, we got to change all this. So we got to change all, I mean, to, you know what I mean, to some extent, mm -hmm. where if you're working for a larger company, there's benefits in having consistency and process and procedure, and this is what it is, but it yeah. sometimes takes an act yeah. of God to well, change that. I think that. we've talked about that here, yeah. actually. Yeah, I think we have too. We so. have. All right. All right. You've had enough for tonight? I've had enough of you. I've had enough of you. I can never get enough of you. You know that. All right. Well, I love you. Yeah, I love you too. Bye. Right. Bye.